Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 24, and then I want to read something to you out of, uh, before we get into this, out of chapter uh, 9 of Matthew's uh, account. So you, you, all you have to do is locate uh, chapter 24 of 1 Samuel, and then I'm, I just want to read something to you out of uh, chapter 9 of Matthew. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Like some of the other accounts of that too, where you read and, and uh, it talks about that account and Jesus looking at the disciples, asked there in a crowd of people, asked who touched him. You know, wanting to know who, who's touched him. And the disciples just thought that was pretty funny because there's a huge crowd of people. What do you mean who touched you? Somebody bumped up against you, okay. But he sensed something happen when he was touched. Some, some, something was released from him and he sensed that and no doubt sensed that woman's faith. We're gonna to talk tonight in chapter 24 out of 1 Samuel about the hem of a garment and the significance of the hem of the garment, for one, we wanna talk about that because it doesn't seem like it's that much to us in our culture and our mindset, it doesn't seem like much. But in the scope of, of um, the Jewish culture and what that meant to them, what that represented to them is very significant. And it matters then to the storyline as we understand this playing out for us as we go through chapter 24. And now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Now remember, we left off, David's still on the run, Saul's after him, Saul's trying to track him down to kill him. It's not to go get something to eat together, it's not to go have a cup of coffee, it's not to go hang out. Saul wants to kill him. He wants to remove him off the face of the earth because he sees him as an absolute threat. And so there's no question about Saul's motive or what he's wanting to do or anything like that. He's thrown spears at him. It's a threat to David's life and David is on the run. He's on the move. He's been hiding out now in this kind of uh, a, an attractive, pretty place, you know, but it's up in En Gedi where there's some little uh, caves and stuff around there. And it really means a, a fount of the kid or it's the, a place where a lot of wild goats live, basically. So, so he's told, Saul looking for him. He's that, remember that kind of thing happened where the tables kind of turned and the situation opened up where they left, you know, Saul had him kind of trapped 
but then he heard about this battle line being drawn with the Philistines. So he pulled back from there and went down to pursue the Philistines, which really was great move on God's part to kind of liberate David so he could get free from that spot. And then he went up into En Gedi. So this is how he gets to this spot. And then Saul in verse two, took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel. I'm sure he took the best of the best going up against David and his uh, four to 600 mighty men. You know, we've read about those guys. So, and he, he went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So they're going up into this area to find him. And so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend his needs. Now, there's some people that say, oh, he's going in to use a restroom. He's going in to go sleep. We can pick whatever you want. He goes in, he's gonna hang out in this cave for a little bit. He can just be in there maybe wanting to take a nap. He could be what, what, whatever, you, it doesn't really matter. He's just kind of uh, seeking to retreat into this cave just for a little while. So he goes in by himself. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of that cave. So he goes into kind of the opening of this cave, goes in there just a little ways. But David and his guys were kind of back in these other parts of the cave, and he doesn't know they're there. And now Saul walks right in and is alone. And the men that are with David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose secretly, cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Interesting, interesting portion of scripture. And I'm telling you, I have heard this one way, another way, back, forth, sideways, everything, this portion of scripture. Oftentimes, and this is not to say that this isn't a valid assessment of this scripture, is it's often used in the idea of not to speak against God's anointed, those who are in the service of the kingdom and uh, are following the Lord and not to, not to speak against or do things against God's anointed. And I would say, yes, it speaks to that. I, I, would, I would agree, I would concur with that. But I think there's much more to it when we start to understand just a little bit more of really what the garment represented and what that meant at the base of his, of his garment. Remember, I'm, we started off with reading, reading that little portion out of Matthew, how something happened. This gal just wanted to touch the hem of his garment. At the base of their garments was a, a, quite a story that was actually being told. One, it was out of a blue kind of, not, not necessarily a rope, maybe more of a twiny type material that's woven together and it's, it's blue. It's made out of these, uh, the, the only way you could get it in their time period it, it was that it was a, from a, like a little sea snail near the seashore where she sells shells. Um, but uh, it's this sea snail and it takes over a thousand of them to get like barely, barely not even a, 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 maybe a half a spoonful or so. 
to just get this, this dye that they used to make that specific blue that was what they used to, to kind of, you know, dye this, this, this material that they could then weave together and then make this hem. Because the blue, remember, as we go into Judges, if you want to flip back there with me just for a moment, in, not Judges, into um, Numbers chapter 15. Because in Numbers 15, it talks about this particular thing that they were to do. It starts off in verse 37. And again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Numbers 15, now verse 38, speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassel of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you may not allow the harlotry which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember and do all the commandments and be holy for, for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. The reminder Look at, remember, I'm your deliverer. Remember, I'm your deliverer. That went on and on and on and on through numbers. Remember, back in Egypt, remember what happened. Remember what went down. Remember how it happened. Remember what I did for you. Is the reminder, I, I always think not to go back and to beat yourself up for maybe the past that you've had or something, that, but, but to go and remember that you've been delivered. You know, that you're not the same person. That, that old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But to remember, man, God delivered you. God delivered me from sin and gave us everlasting life. The reminder of that is so important. Well, they were to wear this garment. On the base of it was to have this thread in there. Well, they ended up making this kind of a, a, a cultural thing and they would weave this together and they would put the, in it, um, it was uh, 613 knots they'd put in this and they, as, as it would go around. And they would know how to read this. And this was, that was to remind them of the commandments of God. It's the, yeah, you know, not to do them, but, or maybe to do those, but the commandments that were told to them and each one of them represents, there's this not to remind them of that. But then also in this for them was thing, as it's kind of tied together and fit together, in it was a story that was told, what family they're from. So what, what tribe they're from? What is their heritage? You know, what is their, it's also, it starts to talk about their stature or their position in uh, life. You know, what, 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 what do they have that's of value or are they very wealthy? Because they tied the blessing of all this to that. It was connected to it for them. If you had a lot, you were blessed by God and they saw it this way. Now, Jesus kind of unwound that uh, in, in the gospel, he kind of unwound that thought. That doesn't necessarily mean that's awesome, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's just the blessing of God. You know, it, it, that's not the, the fact of that. But this idea that this piece of his garment, as David rises up and he doesn't slit his throat, he doesn't kill him. I gotta tell you, the guys that are with him, their hearts for David. Their hearts for David. And, and, and that's right that their hearts for David. 
you don't see David necessarily giving some harsh rebuke to, the, to them, do you? Because David knows their heart's for him, and that's right that their heart's for him. But the counsel that they're giving him isn't necessarily right. I can go back now, because I just got enough miles on me, to the things and the times where people would jump, oh man, now's the time. I've had situations where things have, the tables have radically turned, brothers and sisters. The tables have radically turned and I could have easily just pulled out the gun from underneath the table and blasted them, eradicated them, eliminated them, as maybe they sought to do to me at one point in time. And the counsel would have been, hey, here's your opportunity. Do them, get it done, take them out, just be done with it. And that would be the counsel sometimes. And I'm talking in spiritual circles. I'm not talking in heathen circles, I'm talking in spiritual circles. That's the truth. People can act like that stuff doesn't go on, but oh, that goes on, you know? It's unfortunate, but vindictive behavior is the nature of man. It's not a good thing. It's something that should be crucified on the cross. I agree. But the counsel, because they've hurt you, David, because he's hurt you, David, because they're after you, David, you can take him out right now. You can take care of this. Be done with it. You know, he's, it's over. That's what it sounds like if you're sliding the throat. Um, but that's the idea, though. It's just go do it. But I love David's heart here. I was thinking about this while we were worshiping. And I, I really, I was, I was trying to grab, make sure I grabbed my composure because I was thinking of opportunities and times where everything turned and, and, and it would have been even right to some extent. And yet I knew it wasn't right in my heart in the Lord. And I did not. And I know now, I understand now better than I did even before. I was just responding to trying to walk in the spirit, follow God. But the idea of not doing that and, and what, what David did do, David went up and he snipped out a chunk of the garment. See, David knew what, what it said. You know, David knew what it represented. David understood that. You see, Saul... For all we know, how detailed all that stuff is, I'm not perfectly clear yet, but I do know that it, it, told, it tells some kind of a story of, of like Saul's pedigree, for example, maybe, or you know, his right to the throne. Maybe it was his, his time of anointing is, is in there somewhere in the story. I, I don't know for sure exactly, but I know a lot is told in that to them and they would know what they were looking at. That hem of the garment, heavenly bound in blue, to remind them that, hey, man, you're, you're, you're not staying here. This isn't all there is. You're heaven bound. You know, this is what that blue represented. So these things are, are, are wonderful. But what I like is that David, what seemed to be, this is the day in verse four, which the Lord has said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hands. He's saying, hey, remember that, that promise God made to you? Here, here it is. It's right here. It's the blessings right before you. The opportunity's there. It's a blessing. Take it and do it, you know. But isn't it great how David looks at this and realizes, no, you know, maybe this isn't blessing. Maybe this is testing. I think we have a lot to work through in our Christian journey about discerning. Is this really the blessing of God or is this something that will later lead to something 
that is, is unhealthy for us. Something that was really meant to be a testing and we should have responded in like manner in a testing rather than it was a blessing. Not everything that's brought to you that seems like a blessing is from God. We have to use discernment. We have to ask God to help us to choose wisely and look through at things and say, is this from you, Lord? Because not everything is directly from God. In that sense, the enemy can stir up things. I want to look up something here and share with you. Isaiah 28, there's a little thing in Isaiah 28. Kind of David seemed to have a, a grip on this, this thought. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. We know who that is, right? We know what that's talking about now. We get it. We're looking back and we see it. That's the person of Jesus Christ. That's the, the, the Lord. He's the cornerstone. Whoever believes, look at, look at this latter part of it. I'd, I'd underline it. I'd highlight. I'd circle. I'd put an asterisk by it. I'd mark this up good. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Whoever believes will not act hastily. The enemy's the one oftentimes that's getting us to rush, 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 and do this and grab that, you know, all over the place, you know, just do this, do this, do this, do this, you know. And when, when God's not, yeah, God just moves so even keeled. But the enemy's, go, go, go there, do this, do that, you know, just bouncing off of walls, you know, no. I believe we need to be deliberate. I believe we need to move circumspectly. I believe all those things are true, but I do not believe that we need to be hastily in situations. I think we need to be wise about things. I noticed when I go through Mark's house, there was something that was immediate, wasn't it? He said, immediately, immediately, immediately. There's something that is urgent, yes, but hastily is something different, isn't it? Hastily is just, you know, kind of ransacking quickly through and doing something haphazardly possibly wielding a sword unwisely. But David did cut the hem of his garment. And afterward, after he had done that, his heart was troubled. He was convicted, man, inside himself because he had cut that garment, that he'd cut that little patch out of there. Do you remember something that was interesting? Do you remember when we were reading through Ruth's account? when Ruth was, uh, and, and she was with Boaz and she had gone in, remember, and she had gone down to the feet of Boaz and she had lifted up his garment. And in all it was, was just by his feet, what's down, this, this same skirting basically was around the base of that. And she wanted, what does it tell? The story of his heritage, the story of his thing, the destination, all the things that are tied to who he is, Right? And it's got the commandments of the Lord. And it's just, it's just this wonderful story that's there in these noddings that are put there in, in this, at the base of the garment. And she pulled it back and kind of got up underneath that. Wanted to be under the covering of, remember? And he said, oh, and he woke up, he realized, so what's going on, you know? There's this galley, whoa, 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 what's up, you know? He's trying to figure out what's happening. And she says, you are my nearest kin. You are my kinsman redeemer. You see, that's what Jesus is to us. Isn't that what we want? We want to get underneath the covering of who he is. I want to be associated with his pedigree. I want to be covered by that. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
I want to be covered by that. He knows where all the resources are in the universe. I want to be covered by that. You see, whatever you need, whatever there is, God is he's the great I am, the becoming one. What is your need? And on top of that, he knows what's best for you in what you need. This is the, that's the significance of the hem of that garment. She wanted to be brought underneath the covering of Boaz. It's just the symbolism and the things tied to that are wonderful. What about in Revelation chapter 19? Jesus is riding in on the horse, right? He's riding in on the horse. He's got his garment pulled up, right? And it says on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That thing that they can read about who he is, maybe that's what that represents. These are great things to ponder and think about. It's very possibly true. It could be. I'm just saying, man, that hem and that thing that the gal wanted to get, I just know if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Maybe she knew, see, what we don't know in just, oh, the hem of a garment. What big deal, you know? But to her, she knew what it, what it represented, you know, what it said, who he is, what family he's a part of. That's radical, isn't it? The lion of the tribe of Judah, you know? Just, just thinking about who, who he is and, and what might have just been knotted around in through there, the base of his. If I could just get close enough, just to get my hand on that. I know. And all this was was a point of contact, a place of release for the faith to just, you know, and she just believed that, man, if I could get to that point, then I know God will heal me, you know? And she got to that place and, and Jesus sensed, you know, the release of, of the faith and, and the, the healing power, the things that transpire in, in the spirit realm, the hem of the garment. He gets convicted because he's cut something. He's severed something. He's marked, he, he's done something and he's reminded of, because he knows what that talks about, the anointing of who Saul is as the king. Now, you and I would say, like David's mighty men would say, David, dude, look it, man. He got a little flask. You had the whole horn of oil dumped all over you. You know, this is, you think about that. He had, you, you, you were really anointed. But what is David thinking about in all of this? While they're telling him this, he's got to be thinking through. And he goes through and he says, look it. He says to his men, verse six, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. He says, this guy's the king. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing his, he is the anointed of the Lord. And David, by saying this, restrains his servants from doing anything further from killing Saul or doing anything else. Thank you for tuning in today and for listening to the radio program, for listening to God's Word. And I know God has a perfect plan for your life, and it starts, really, by giving our hearts to the Lord. If you've not given your heart to the Lord, or you're just in a place where you're, you, you have a sense that you're distant from God, and you just want to open your life up to the Lord, you know, the Word says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him 
while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that great to know that we have a God that's full of grace and mercy, that he's willing to pardon all of our sin, to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. It's a simple prayer just to give your life to Jesus. Man, all things become new when we give our lives to the Lord. If you just pray this simple prayer along with me, Jesus, I want to open my heart up to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sin, my unrighteousness, that you would pardon me. I thank you so much for that grace and mercy that you've shown me. Lord, thank you for the love that put you on the cross, that you did that willingly for me. And Lord, again, I I just open my heart to you. I receive you as my personal Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for that free gift of everlasting life that you've given me. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.